privilege of sharing a, a, a word or two with you this uh, morning on my heart. I know that uh, Pastor uh, Kevin and I think uh, Pastor Sherry is with him. They traveled to uh, Ajax uh, this morning or last night, and they're speaking at one of our sister or cousin churches there uh, in Ajax and ministering to their uh, church family. And uh, Pastor Barry is also away uh, with uh, Dan Williams doing ministry, I think in Ontario, at a different church this morning. And Pastor Mark and Rhonda are down the hall with our students. And uh, if you don't know me, uh, me, I'm Mark, and this is my wife, uh, Katrina, up here. You can wave. That's the back of her. Yeah. Pretty red hair there. Yeah. And um, glad that you're here with us this morning. Now that, uh, now that summer is here, how many of you have started enjoying drinking more iced coffee? Okay. Not too many people. Wow. Well, I have. I've drank a lot of coffee, a lot of iced coffee. And uh, there's a river of it flowing down there on North Front by Starbucks, if you want some. Well, I was at Starbucks uh, a couple of Fridays ago, uh, picking up some coffee for some of our ministry leaders, just wanted to encourage them. And um, I went in there and uh, got my coffee. And then I came back about an hour because I had scheduled another meeting there at the same location. And so I came back to get the coffee. And I said, do you mind doing a a refill? And they said, why not? I said, great. So they were all happy. They started making me more coffee. And they upgraded the size to like 16 ounce, which I didn't ask for. I told them a smaller one. They gave me a bigger one. And so one of the girls we know, her name's Anna. She's just got back from YWAM in uh, Australia. She smiles. She goes, here's your, your coffee. I'm like, oh, that's not mine. She goes, oh, well, I'm sorry. I made it for you anyways. And then the other girl on the coffee bar goes, well, here's your coffee. And that was the correct one. So here I am now with 32 ounces of iced coffee. And these are refills, right? because I already was drinking coffee before that. And they said, you know what? You're just going to have to receive this coffee, and you're going to have to drink it. I said, I'm having a great day. I said, this is an awesome place. I'm just happy. They said, we're happy that you're happy. I said, I'm happy, and I left. We all, you know, uh, left, and I had my hands like this, and I took them home, and Katrina and I tried to doctor them up and and share them, because it was so much coffee. So that was a feel-good experience. But on a more serious note, this past Friday I was there, and um, I had gone in that morning uh, to, to meet with people, and uh, there was a new barista there. And she, she didn't say hi. She didn't engage me. She kept her head down. She looked frustrated. She looked upset. And that's not very common for the baristas there. I said, wow. I just took notice. And all the other girls around her, they are having fun. We were chatting. Got the coffee, went to, took it to the meeting. And then Pastor Kevin and I came back that afternoon uh, because we, had, we were uh, meeting with another uh, gentleman at his house. And so we picked up coffee for him to go have a family meeting with them. And when I got there, th- that girl had shifted from the coffee bar. Now she was the cashier. And so Pastor Kevin walked up, and he looked up, and he realized there, this was the one person in the whole store he had never met before because he knows them all down there by name. And he goes, well, hello there. And she looked up. She goes, well, hello. And he goes, I don't think we've met before because I know everyone here, and I don't know your name. What's your name? And she shared her name. She kind of smiled, and she had these bright blue eyes kind of lit up, and they just started chatting, and they were all happy. And, 
And she was ha- happy when I ordered my coffee, and we left. And I said, well, you know, that girl's attitude shifted. I don't know what happened if she needed to sleep or she needed more coffee or whatever. But by the time that you talked to her, she was just all happy. He goes, well, that's because I'm so happy. And he said, when I come in there, I'm so happy, I just give my happiness away to whoever I talk to. She couldn't help herself. So that's Pastor Kevin's view of that. (laughs) Pastor Kevin saw the barista. He saw that he didn't know her, and he took the opportunity, right, to engage her and ask her her name. Of course, that's the number one thing that Starbucks trains their employees to do, is to ask our name. So he beat her at her own game. Sounds like Pastor Kevin. And that's the question I want to ask you today. When you see people, what do you see? When you see the people that God has placed in your life, what do you see? Let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke. All right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, chapter 19. I want to read you this story about a wee little man named Zacchaeus. All right, so I'll just read right through. This is starting chapter 19, uh, verse 1 through 10. Uh, go, yeah, you can read along in the Bible, or if you have an app on your phone, go ahead and open that up. Then Jesus entered and pa- passed through Jericho. Everyone say, pass through. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. Everyone say, looked up. And he saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come on down here, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods for the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. I want to open in prayer. Father, Thank you for your living word that's sharper than a double-edged sword. And I pray now that your Holy Spirit would flow and that we would receive and be able to work through the word of God and and apply it and plant it in our hearts in good soil uh, for your harvest. Help me, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you notice that Jesus was on the way to somewhere that his father, Father God, had told him to go. We find out that Jesus was actually on the way through Jericho to Jerusalem. Uh, and then, uh, right before uh, the, the crucifixion. 
So he, Jesus is not focused on Jericho, but Jesus is going through Jericho. He went through it. He was passing through to accomplish his mission. His mission wasn't Jericho, but he did go through it. Let's take an example like myself as a parent. My, my job as a parent is to take care of my children. So my mission every day is to make sure that they're fed and clothed and all their care is provided. So to get dinner on the table, some, that's, my, that's my mission. Sometimes I got to go through Food Basics, Dewey's. We got any Metro fans out there? Walmart. No frills. Uh, where else we got? Freshco. Okay, so your mission is dinner, but you got to go through the grocery store. Hey, you know, at Walmart, you can p- drive up and call them, and they'll just bring it out to your car. But you still got to hang out with the guy who comes out to the car, right? So when you're going through life, the challenge is how do you see people when you're doing what you're supposed to do? Because we must go through it. When you're on your way to obey, so God tells you what to do in life. But when you're on the way to obey, are you keeping your eyes open? Are you looking around? Are you so focused on the goal that you miss the people that God has placed on the way? Now, before we ask the question, how do we see others, I think it's important to ask ourselves, how do we see ourselves? Because you usually project on people what you think about yourself. So let's look at Jesus. How did Jesus see himself? Well, the cool thing is that Jesus didn't have to guess about his identity. Do you know why? Because his dad told him who he was. We don't have to guess our identity if we listen to our dads tell us who we are. When Jesus was being baptized in water, there was a public event in Luke 3, says, And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. So that's Jesus' starting point. Jesus is going, man, I'm feeling good. My daddy loves me. He's not angry with me. I'm well, I'm well pleasing in his sight. I'm his beloved son. I'm a son of the house. I'm good to go. So I think we can take a page out of God's playbook here. I want to speak to all the parents here, no matter what age your children are, or even if you are like a spiritual parent to someone. I want to encourage you. Take a page out of God's playbook and go to each of your children and tell them that you love them, that they're beloved in your sight, And you're well pleased with them. Not based on their behavior, but based on the fact that God trusted you to watch over them and provide for them. Even if they're adults, go to them and tell them that you love them unconditionally, that you're for them and not against them. Can we take that challenge this week? Hmm. That's a challenge, isn't it? Because some of those relationships might be completely broken. But remember, love is like a bridge that can rebuild things. So if you speak the truth in love, say, I love you. I know we've been through things, but I want you to know as a parent, I am for you and not against you. And I'll always 
have your back. Everybody needs that. It's pretty cool. Even Zacchaeus. You notice what Jesus said about Zacchaeus at the end of the story? He called him a what? A son of Abraham. When we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, we begin to take our rightful spot as sons and daughters of God. Our identity is clarified when we look first to Jesus Christ. And I hope that you see yourself more and more like a beloved son or daughter, God's kid. Because God is knocking on the door of our church and on your heart, our individual lives, and he's saying, can I come in and do life with you? Can you be the child and I'll be the parent? But we have to choose to open the door. And today, in this service, I want us, to those who want to, I want to give you an opportunity to open the door to the Holy Spirit, to the Spirit of Christ, so that he can come in. Not just for salvation, but that so you can see how God sees. So let's get back to Jesus as he sees this uh, notorious sinner, Zacchaeus. Earlier in the story, we find out that he's a leader of all the area tax collectors. I bet that guy had a lot of friends. You guys have any tax collector friends? Have you ever had someone admit that they work for a tax collection agency? I've never met someone. I don't know if they exist. They can't tell their friends who they work for. So he is the leader of all the tax collectors. And Jesus says, I must, or in the Aramaic it says, it's my duty or my assignment to stay at your house for dinner and probably for the night. And I just realized this is probably the best sleepover ever. Zacchaeus is like, my house, Jesus, stay in the night. I'm getting the trundle bed out. And how many of you have ever watched the show Shrek? All right, I got a line for you. So Zacchaeus comes up to Jesus says, Jesus, you can stay at my house. We're going to swap manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. You didn't see that one. Can you imagine having a sleepover and Jesus is the guy coming to your house? Wouldn't you feel kind of special if Jesus says, by the way, me and the 12 guys with me, we're hitting your couch tonight. Okay, get the fire going. God wants to come to your house. Jesus wants to move in, rearrange the furniture, kick some walls out, build a new palace inside of you. We just got to give him permission. And I believe what the Holy Spirit is saying to our, us as Desert Stream right now is he wants us to see those people as we walk and do our missions. You all have a daily mission. You all have jobs to do. But what God is saying is draw your circle a little bit bigger to include more people. Draw your circle a little bit bigger when you go through your day so that those people can feel. See how I use the word feel? Feelings are important. They feel like they're a part of your life. So the challenge is for us to make our circles a little bit bigger. 
And when you leave here today, I want you to think as you go through your day to look around and say, how am I going to make my circle a little bit bigger today? Because as Christians in Belleville, in Quinney West, we want to be known as the people whose circles are really big. We're not exclusive. We're inclusive. We don't push people out. We, we say, nope, you're welcome here too. Anyone, come on, we're doing the Jesus thing. It's a huge circle. Come on, we're doing life. Make a bigger circle. And I want to share this next word as, uh, think of uh, a way of getting healthier. Like when you go to the eye doctor, do we get mad at the eye doctor for saying, well, you're going to have to tweak your prescription this way or your glasses lens this way? We don't really go, oh man, I can't believe he's doing that to me. That is just horrible. We actually paid the person to do that, right? Because our vision is getting healthier. Or when I was young. I was playing king of the mountain on like a 12 or 15 foot slide. I don't know if they even build those things anymore out of metal. And you're up on top. You're having fun while my cousin decided to give me a push off the side. Well, that's a long ways down. I broke my right arm, I think. And uh, did I get mad at the doctor for setting, resetting my arm, giving me a cast, and my parents taking me out for ice cream afterwards? No. Why wouldn't I get mad at the doctor? Because they're actually helping set the bone, getting things back in order for me to be healthy. And I think when we come to the Word, and like I want to share with you, we think if God brings correction to our life, that it's like a negative, you're in trouble. But think of a doctor in correction. He's just setting or she's setting something in order so that you can be healthy and have a better life. So this is the, the, the heart of what I want to share with you. Um... Because I asked, I asked the Lord, how, 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 why is it that we don't see more stories like Jesus and Zacchaeus in our day? And this is what I heard the Holy Spirit say to me. And see if it applies to you. I felt him say, it's hard to see others when I'm so focused looking at myself. It's hard to see others when we're always looking at ourselves. That's what I felt the Holy Spirit say. So I feel that as a correction to me to get my eyes off myself more. Because when I'm preoccupied with myself and my problems and my sin, do I have time and empathy to, to give away to people who are outside my circle? No, because I'm so self-focused. When I do take the time to ask God how he sees someone, it's often... I say, God, how do you see them? And this is a common response that I hear the Holy Spirit say. I see them as my son and daughter, and I absolutely love them. That's a very common response when I ask God, how do you see someone? So when God tells me that, I say, oh, great. That's how God sees them. I guess I'm not going to be the guy to, to take off and attack them or do something weird to them because they're God's kid. And when God sees them like that, I don't want to be the one getting in between that. I'm not going to mess with God's conclusion. But we have a choice to align ourselves with what God says about someone, or we can come up with our own opinion. Opinions are great. We've all heard that. We all have them. But when you align yourself with God's opinion about someone, you're getting into a place of power and love where you can connect with them appropriately.
and love them deeper. I don't have to have my own solution. It's so funny. Before I moved uh, here to Belleville, I was working for uh, four or five months at the local uh, Walmart superstore in Spokane, North Spokane. And they hired tons of people for the Christmas rush. And so I went in and got the interview. They gave me the job, and I was making like $8 an hour in the grocery department. And uh, let's just say there wasn't a lot of stress. It was pretty fun because you can, anyone can stack a can on top of the soup, right? So the manager would come by, and he'd say, Mark. And I'd say, yes, can you stack these cans of soup over here by the front of the store? And I said, yes, I can. So I'd get my little cart, and I'd move hundreds and hundreds of cans of soup. And the next day, the next manager would come, and she'd say, Mark, can you take those cans that you put there and move them over there? I said, yes, I can. And I got my cans and moved them to the other side. And then the other manager would go, what are you doing? I said, well, that manager told me to move them. And they said, whoa, and they'd leave, and they'd go talk to that manager. The next manager would come and tell me to move them over there. Did I give them my opinion on where I thought the cans would sell? No, at $8 an hour, I was just smiling and saying, no problem. This is, I can move them 100 times in a day. It doesn't matter. I'm not here for my, you're not hiring me for my opinion. You hired me to move soup. I can do that for eight bucks. It's no big deal. And I, I learned that sometimes you just got to do what you're asked. They're not looking for a lot. If I would have stayed with the company, they could have asked my opinion on things, and you can climb the ladder and do all that stuff. But I knew I was coming here. And with God, you don't have to climb ladders. God simply takes you by the hand, and he places you places. He could put you in at CEO. He can put you at the, the, the lead soup stacker. Doesn't matter. Titles are not where it's at with God. It's a family and we all have dignity and value and worth because God said, I want you here right now. So I learned not to worry about my opinion when I was working there, just to listen to the last manager, whatever they told me to do, and do it with a smile. And then the word got out. The general manager goes, there's this Mark guy, and he can do anything in the store. So the general manager said, that's only because all I said was yes. Because they didn't hire me to say no to these things. So I tried to keep my good reputation down there at Walmart and just do what they say. It was a lot of fun. You know, we were over at Food Basics a couple, uh, well, it was probably two months ago, and we were walking, and there was a guy asking for money outside. And I had my uh, bleeding heart, wonderful daughter, Kate, with me. And I say bleeding heart because she just loves to help people. And she, she walks by, and I, I just know what's coming. And you probably have kids or friends like this. And she goes, Dad, we're going to take care of that homeless guy, right? I said, well, I don't know if he's homeless. But we can do something for him. She goes, all right, well, we better get him some money. I said, well, why don't, maybe instead of cash, why don't we get him a gift card to Food Basics? And then he, he can choose to use it there at the store. She goes, that's a good idea. And she was with one of her buddies. So they ran in, got the card. And then there's a whole stack of greeting cards right there. And she goes, well, we better get him a card. I said, we better. And so she went through them, and they, one of the first ones they picked out said, just you wait. This is only the beginning. God's got great things for you. I said, well, this is cool. For a buck, pull it off. 
And we filled it out, and we got out there, and the guy was gone. So in my car right now, there's a card and a gift card waiting. I said, let's just wait. There'll be someone else. God will show us. But do you see how my daughter was quick to see who was in the circle and to pull him in? Now, I'm not trying to make a legalistic law. You don't have to do what I did. Just do whatever is in your heart. But kids have this great sense of seeing people outside their circles and wanting to do the right thing. I want to read Revelations chapter 3, 17 and 18. And it says, he, uh, this is uh, Jesus speaking to the angel of the church of Laodicea. He goes into uh, chapter 3, verse 17, says, Because you say, he's speaking to their church, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know, and you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me, that's Jesus, gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with, with eye salve, that you may see. And I'm not here today to tell you you're wretched or miserable or poor. But I think one of the words that we would need to pull out of this passage is that we've become bl- too blinded. We've, some of us have stopped seeing the people that God's trying to put in our pathway. And that the antidote is to go to Jesus and ask him to anoint your eyes so that you can see. He wants you to go to him and to ask him to anoint your eyes to see. Notice that he's not just throwing anointing oil on you. He's waiting for you to go to him and to ask. A lot of times, God puts the ball back in our court because this is supposed to be a relationship. And he wants to know, will you come and talk to me? But God is not going to force this on you. But if you go to him and ask him, he is happy to anoint your eyes so that you can begin to see again the way that he sees. So we have a choice to see properly. Jesus will anoint our eyes. He's designed our eyes to work spiritually and naturally, but we have to ask him to come and anoint it. We need to ask God to see properly our relationships. And the first one that we need to ask God to see is how to see Jesus correctly. You know, if you can see Jesus for who he is, all of your relationships will change. If you know who God is and you experience his presence, you will treat people differently. But we need to see him first. You can say these dangerous prayers, God, show me your glory. And I dare you to do that one because it gets pretty wild. There's no secrets to that one. You just shut the door, get away by yourself and say, Father, show me your glory. And just hold on and wait and then ask again. And don't leave the room until he shows you. And that'll be between you and him, but I can guarantee it's going to be like nothing else. Two, your spouse or your next closest friend. God, can you show me how to see my spouse, how you see them? 
God, can you show me how to see my closest friend, how you see them? God, can you show me how to see my children, how you see them? God, can you show me how to see my Christian family, my church family, how you see them? God, can you show me how to see my coworkers, how you see them? God, can you show me how to see my clients and those I serve and work for, how you see them? And for those of you uh, who God is developing as a leader, I think there's specific relationships that God wants to show you. He wants to give you insight. I want you to, if you're you're growing as a leader and you want to grow in leadership, ask God how he sees the authority figures in your life. Like in your family, in your local uh, civic government here, uh, nationally. Ask God how he sees the church authority in your life. Because how you relate to authority figures will reflect on how you actually feel about God because he's the greatest authority. So that's why he places authority figures in your life. Not always good ones, I'm not saying that, but to train you on how to interact with him. So as a leader, I want to challenge you this week, ask God how he sees the the authority figures in your life. And I ask the Lord, why, why this word right now? Why this word about seeing people more properly? And I felt the Lord say, the reason this is a good word for now is because if we say, because if we can't love the people we can see, like right here, how can we ever go on to love the people that we want to love and see in the future? So we have to be faithful with loving the ones we can see right now. They're already in your life. They're already in your circle. You just got to, remember what Jesus said? It said he looked up. And there was Zacchaeus up in that fig tree, that sycamore tree. And I, I believe by God's grace, as a whole church, we can look up and see people. We can see them like Jesus sees them. And we can share the, the love and compassion of Jesus Christ with them and change their lives. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up. I want to pray with you before we dive into our ice cream sandwiches out there. I want to pray that God, and I want you to agree with me, that God's Holy Spirit will anoint your eyes. We're going to ask Jesus to give you anointing for your eyes to see. And I don't know who you need to see properly, but there's someone probably on your heart. You know, man, I wish I could see them better. I wish I could see them more appropriately. Why don't you just wait on God? Let's just wait on God for a few seconds and ask God, or you just wait for someone that you need to see properly. All right. So now we're going to pray. And God is going to anoint your eyes. He's going to anoint your eyes to see them. And if you'd like more prayer, personal prayer, then afterwards... Come on forward. Uh, Tom and Jolie are here. Wayne and Cheryl are here. We can pray for you. There's others here. We'll be happy to pray for you, for your needs. Father, 
In Jesus' name, we saw from this story that you looked up and you saw Zacchaeus and you saw the potential in him. You saw the kingdom inside Zacchaeus. You saw that he was a son. And today, Father, on behalf of our group today, our Christian family, we ask you, Jesus, for that anointing oil to come onto our eyes. We personally ask you. We need to see people. And in the name of Jesus, Father, we open uh, the door. We say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and anoint our eyes. Give us vision from heaven. Give us the ability to see people the way that you see people, God. We pray you tear off the blinders, tear off the worldliness, tear, tear off the sin, tear off the shame and the fear and the rejection, and help us to see people the way that you see them, God, that we can have a fresh start with our eyes, and that at Desert Stream, we would be a, a people, God, who could see to enlarge our circles and include people into our lives. Give us that grace, Lord. We need favor. We need help in that area. God, that, that, so we would not be known as blind, but we would be known as having great vision here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like more prayer, please come forward. But if not, God bless you this week with great joy. And enjoy those ice cream sandwiches in the back. God bless you.